Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Yo, what's going on? This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. I am Frank Stample, while Greg Sussman is off doing executive things. I feel like he's running back into the building right now. Yesterday, we spoke about the early round wide receivers. Today, we're going to get into the middle round wide receivers. That's, you know, rounds three through five. Maybe we'll get a little bit deeper than that. But we really spoke about the top ten guys to cut off there with Mike Evans. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about T.Y. Hilton today. Um, the fact that Andrew Luck has not thrown the ball 20-plus yards down the field in either one of the first preseason games. Uh, he has been doing it in practice, but we haven't seen it in game action yet, so is that worrisome? We'll get into that as well. Um, we're going to start off with the stat of the day while I'm here, waiting patiently for my guy, Greg Sussman. Uh, it's really stats of the day, and it has to do with Chris Hogan. From weeks one through eight, last season, Chris Hogan, wide receiver eight. Overall in half PPR, he had 60 yards or a touchdown in six of those eight games, Greg Sussman. So he Yo! was consistent. Yo! What's up, man? What's going on? How you doing, dude? Stat- You're in the stat of the day. Yeah. Just have to bring the show in without me. Jumping and jumping right in. It's fine. Jumping right in. What's up, man? Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, taking care of business. Taking care of business. On the program today, Frankie mentioned, stat of the day, wide receivers. And Chris Hogan. Sorry? Chris Hogan, Chris Hogan. of the day. We'll get back to it. We'll definitely get back to Chris Hogan. <laughs> but yesterday we did the first and second wide, first and second round wide receivers. Today we get in the middle. We go the middle rounds. The next guys. We figured we do the top ten. We wanted to go from like eleven to twenty four ish, and that's the plan. And we're gonna kind of see how it goes from there. Yeah, and I mentioned maybe we talk a little bit about more uh, more about T. Y. Hilton. Whether we should be worried, should we move him down a little bit? It's a great question, man. Yeah. Got the, I got the poll up on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever talking about Doug Baldwin. Now that it really does seem like he's going to be ready for week one by all indications he's running. Um, they seem much more optimistic about this now. To me, I was very excited about Doug Baldwin. I had him right in that range with Mike Evans, with T.Y. Hilton. and I bumped him right all the way back up there. So are you comfortable drafting him on that 2-3 turn? More comfortable in the later third round? Or, or maybe you're just avoiding uh, Doug Baldwin so we could check back in on that poll later on, Greggy. Um, but I'm just going to continue with the, the stat of the day on Chris Hogan, our guy who looked very good in the second preseason game, and I've seen him go as high as the fourth round already in some best ball leagues. Weeks one through eight last season, Chris Hogan was wide receiver eight overall in half PPR. He had 60 yards or a touchdown in six of those eight games. He was incredibly consistent. His first half numbers prorated over 16 games. 66 receptions, 876 uh, yards, 10 touchdowns. That's 180.6 half PPR points would have made him the wide receiver 15 overall last season if he played 16 games. 
There's a lot to like about Chris Hogan. There's a lot to love about Chris Hogan. Now, number one, can he play all 16 games? I, I think there's a strong possibility he can. Now, people have said in regards to Hogan that the touchdowns aren't necessarily sustainable, that the Patriots change their offense per game, but I just felt like, and this is just a total eye test, Frankie, that every time he was out there, he was a monstrous focal point inside the red zone, and he was everything fantasy owners wanted to beat him to be when Julian Edelman went down last year. He's not just a PPR guy, he's an everything guy. And whether Gronk's out there or he's not, I think Chris Hogan's awesome. And I have him ranked currently as my 23rd ranked receiver, and I feel like he probably should be higher. I just don't know how much higher. Did you take my rankings no. and just kind of like move them around and make your own rankings? I did not. I have them exactly wide receiver 23 as yeah. well. Yeah. I feel like we do this every day too. We gotta, we gotta disagree on somebody eventually. I'm sure we will. There's a lot of wide receivers that we have to go uh, But through. I feel the same way. Like, I want to move him up, but it's like. Where? Where do you move him up to? Right in front of, uh, ahead of him, I have Golden Tate, who year in, year out, incredibly consistent. Juju Smith Schuster, who I think has big upside playing alongside Antonio Brown in that offense. It's already did just one year ago, and Martavis Bryant's now gone from that team. Josh Gordon, wide receiver 20, maybe he shouldn't be in that range, but I think he's going to be ready for week one by all indications, right? Like, yeah. we saw it in Hard Knocks last night, uh, him returning Spoiler to the team. Spoiler alert. You should have watched. You didn't watch. <laughs> Do you watch every show the night of? No. No. You don't watch Better Call Saul. I watched Better Call Saul last night you instead. You ruin it for me if you want. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Sorry, but, I mean, you knew Josh Gordon returned to camp anyway. Uh, all right, well, I didn't know what they talked about. Didn't talk about it much. <laughs> <laughs> I actually last night I watched last week's Hard Knocks because I had not watched last week's. Did you enjoy last? And I was wondering. No, I fell asleep. Obviously, as I always do. Bless him. Um, oh, that was why people were saying bless him to me this morning. Yeah, Jarvis Landry, bro. Forgot about that. That was two weeks. <laughs> I have ago. a pretty sick Rotowear shirt too with the hands. It says bless him. Oh, that's cool. I might get that. That was two weeks ago. I did watch the Corey Coleman stuff. It was interesting. I didn't like how they cut it. That bothered me. I know Corey Coleman was saying how it bothered him. Also, they didn't full, like, show the full picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't like that. And I also didn't like how they cut the Antoni- uh, Antonio Callaway stuff because, and this is us being in, in TV and production, right? So did you, you watched last week's episode? I don't want to spoil yeah. that for you. I watched all of them so far. Okay. So Frank, you are a master of the whiteboard. Frank's whiteboard series is unbelievable. Check it out uh, on YouTube. It's a whiteboard series. It's amazing. Okay. Um, that reminds me of something else I have to tell you during the break. So we know the editing process, you, you specifically. So they showed you Antonio Callaway sitting at this table with John Dorsey and with uh, Hugh Jackson, right? And they're going over and having a discussion. It looked like it was like a five-minute discussion, right? But on the board um, to the left, like on the wall next to John Dorsey across from Hugh Jackson was like four pillars of like the four Browns pillars, I guess. Like trust, responsibility, something and something, Okay. And early on when Callaway walks in, those four things are written on the board. They cut to Dorsey, they cut to Jackson, they cut back, and they go back to the wide shot almost immediately after that. We're talking literally in real time, like a minute, right? Now, two of those things are circled. There's arrows coming out of them with, um, with other words written on this board. And it was clear that this was a much longer conversation, obviously, there was a much longer back and forth, which I'm sure the Browns did not want aired by any means, mm-hmm. and they didn't air it. I thought that was super interesting. That is interesting, and I find it just interesting that you noticed that because, you know, once I leave from here for the day, I kind of just, like, shut down, like, the TV really? production mind. Like, I try not to notice things like that. Uh, it happens more so when I watch, like, movies and stuff. Okay. Um, it's but- funny I, because I 
my um, my brain's always on with yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and like Judy watches Bachelor in Paradise, right? Like I was I was saying about that. And they're the worst because they obviously manipulate everything, and, that, and that's fine. I get that, but it kills me when they they show a clip or they show the show rather, and they go to a confessional of one of the contestants talking, and the contestant's wearing like a red bathing suit. Okay, they go back to the the action, back to the confessional. Now she's wearing a dress. Fine, you know that comes different parts of the day. Back to her. Now she's wearing a green bathing suit. And like this is literally these interviews are literally happened over weeks. You don't know what the producers asked her in order to get those answers. Yeah. And like this is all jumbled together. Like what she's talking about now literally had nothing to do with what the scene you just saw. And I pointed that out to Judy, and she's just like, "Do you understand how annoying you are? Do you understand that like, <laughs> you I'm just, just to- ruined reality television for right, everybody, uh, Greg? I- exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it bothered me. And um, I she had a friend over to watch it on Monday, and I like, kept my mouth shut because I don't want to embarrass her. Just buy in a little bit, Greg. Yeah. Allow yourself to be amazed. It's not real, man. It's just not real. Obviously. So that was that was. I don't know how I got oh, the Antonio Callaway thing. All right, I'm done. All right. Anything else? No, that was my Hard Knocks thoughts. How did we get here again? Oh. You were watching Hard Knocks. Josh Gordon. Josh Where did we Gordon. draft Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. We moved up to wide receiver 20. Oh, so he's my, we're a little bit different. He's my number, wide receiver 21. Who, where, do you have, where do you have, speaking of Hard Knocks, where do you have Jarvis Landry? In half PPR, I have him 18. So I have him at 20. I have him and Josh Gordon back to back. Do you think that Jarvis Landry is getting the Hard Knocks boost? Because it does happen every year. People, um, you see the players, you Happened rise them with up. Jameis last year. Yeah. Mike Evans, too. Mm-hmm. You rise them up draft boards because like, you see how hard they're working. You like, you like them personally, and you want them to succeed, and you think they will. And the problem is, at every one of these NFL facilities, these guys are working hard. They're giving other funny speeches like, bless up, right? Like, this is happening. Bless up? I don't know what it was. Bless him. Bless him, whatever. <laughs> Bless up. Bless you. I sneezed. Um, Jarvis Landry is... W- I'm blessing you. Thank you. Uh, Jarvis Landry is one of many. And as good as he's looked, and I think they will utilize him in a major way, like everybody loves juice, I do think he's getting the hard knocks boost. I think that is fair to say, but the reason why I will say I've boosted him throughout the process of hard knocks is that what we've seen is that they're using him all over the field. He's not just being locked into a slot role receiver uh, role, honestly. Uh, and, and just the way that they've used him to this point, downfield throws, uh, on the outside, on the inside, moving him all around the formation, it reminds me a lot of what the Steelers did with Antonio Brown. Now, I have adjusted things accordingly once Josh Gordon returned, but I thought that you know if Josh Gordon wasn't there, Jarvis Landry really could have been the... Antonio Brown of the Browns offense this year because we yep. know what Todd Haley did with Antonio Brown and obviously Antonio Brown is a freak athlete but I think we're seeing even through the hard knocks process like we're being reminded of the kind of athlete that Jarvis Landry is like he's not just a slot wide receiver like one of these guys that you just pencil in like he can make contested catches he is one of the best route runners he has amazing hands and we saw him do work in the red zone last year so for all of those reasons uh, I moved him ahead of Josh Gordon. I think he could be a little bit more consistent. What I had thought was if Josh Gordon was part of the whole training camp process, I thought that Tyrod Taylor or Tarod Taylor would have fallen more so in love with Josh Gordon as the down-the-field threat. But now that he is three weeks behind, uh, I think Jarvis Landry probably gets off to the better start and maybe is more consistent this year. But I will not argue I moved Josh Gordon up to 20 because I still think he does have that incredible upside. It's amazing because every time you count 
Josh Gordon out, he comes back. And I was lowest on him of anybody last year, right? Absolutely. Like, I hated Josh Gordon because I thought this was all a mirage, and it didn't happen. He comes back, and he was outstanding. Or for 85, I think it was, against Casey Hayward? He was outstanding. And Casey Hayward said, other than Odell Beckham Jr., this is the toughest wide receiver we have faced uh, all year long. He is that good. And I think... Every time he has one of these things going on, a suspension, him walking away, whatever it may be, people almost forget just how good Josh Gordon is. In my auction, and I know I keep going back to that because I I think it's important, Josh Gordon went for $17. Now, I had him as a $20 player um, as my 21st ranked wide receiver. Uh, For comparison's sake, Jarvis Landry went for $23. I thought there'd be more of a happy medium there. Um, And I thought Gordon at $17 was an awesome buy, because, as we said a couple of weeks ago, as we were looking for that next top wide receiver that can jump into the first round, Josh Gordon has that ability. And I think he's going to be the name. If you're drafted, and there's a bunch of names above him. Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, um, Golden Tate, and Marvin Jones really come to mind. Because those are four, four wide receivers that I think are going to be there for you at, like, say, the end of the third round, early in the fourth, when you're looking at, if you're drafting at the turn um, as your wide receiver, too, essentially. To me, if I, I'm gonna have, I have Josh Gordon below all of these guys, right? I have Cooper at 16, Robinson at 17, Tate at 18, and Jones at 19. Josh Gordon's one of those guys, the number one out of all those guys that have the ability to finish in the top 12. Like, I don't know that, maybe Cooper, I don't know that any of them have that ability to finish in a true top 12, if not top 10, if not top 8 wide receiver. Josh Gordon does. And I very well know when I'm at that turn, I am going to be damn tempted in the third and fourth round to take Josh Gordon over all of them. Which is crazy to say because Marvin Jones just finishes the wide receiver nine overall last right. year. The thing is, we, we can't project him to do that again. And based on where he's being drafted as you know a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, like Marvin Jones is going like that, that cutoff of the top 24 wide receivers. So even if he sees regression this year, like, Maybe he won't be over 1,000. Maybe he won't you know, flirt with double-digit touchdowns. But if he's 907, he's still going to be a top 24 wide receiver. So that's being baked into his price. Uh, so you know, it, it, it is crazy to say that Josh Gordon is the only one with ha- that has that upside when we've seen Marvin Jones do it. Um, but as you know, I think the, the Lions are more of a balance attack this year. But Josh yep. Gordon absolutely uh, does have that upside to do it. The way that I feel about Josh Gordon right now is I don't want him as my wide receiver too. Okay. To be honest, I have to have two wide receivers on my team before I take Josh Gordon. I think it's easier to take that risk, take that chance with him as your wide receiver when you have that stability of two wide receivers already on your team. Because if anything happens throughout the year, obviously any player could get injured, but especially with him, he has that, you know, maybe he uh, needs to just go on a mental break again and needs to, you know, cleanse himself. Like, whatever it might be, you have that risk much more... Uh, with Josh Gordon than obviously any other player. So I need to have him as my wide receiver three on my team, more so than my wide receiver two. I just can't trust that. So then let me ask this. You're at, and he is going, as I said, in the third, early fourth. Now that he's I got him back. in the fifth round of a best ball draft. When? That was the day before that he returned. That's a huge I think he's going to move up, though. He's going absolutely move He's going to move back into the fourth round. I don't see him getting all the way back to the three, four turn. I think he's closer to the four, five turn. Okay, I, I don't know. I, I think you see him back at practice. I think he continues to rise. Who were other some other players that went in your auction around his dollar price, like seventeen bucks? Right. So the interesting thing is nobody really went around that wide receiver wise. The mm-hmm. one around that price, he went at seventeen, even low twenty. Marvin, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to get to. Marvin Jones is nineteen. That was obviously very close. Yeah, like he's he's on that four or five swing too. Jarvis Landry went for twenty three. Golden Tate twenty three. Allen Robinson twenty four. Those are all to me. 
consistent fourth-round wide receivers. Okay. And then Marvin Jones and Josh Gordon, I think that's where you come in, and that's more so like the fourth, fifth-round swing. Same thing with Chris Hogan. I'd put him in that category as well. Chris Hogan went for significantly more. Chris Hogan went for 26. That's the preseason hype right there. Yeah. Chris Hogan went for significantly more. He basically, as I look at these prices— it's clear that there's another tier of guys that I guess are the third-round guys. I, I've, I've really grouped them together because I don't see much of a difference between these third- and fourth-round guys. Like, in my draft, I'll pick this tier. Like I draft, as everybody knows, 11th, right? So that's why I keep talking about this turn because that's where I am. I draft 11th, and in that third, fourth round, if I grab a wide receiver and I grab a running back, none of which whom I like, of course— I might not draft Mark Cooper. I may choose Josh Gordon over him if he's back at practice by the time I draft. You know, I think this whole group is together because I'm not going to have a chance at any of them later on, obviously. That's what we always say. It doesn't matter ADP because every guy I just mentioned, it won't be there in the fifth round at my pick. It's just not going to happen. So that's why I have grouped them like this. But after the break, we mentioned Gordon and Landry and Jones and Tate and Robinson. And we'll get more into those guys that are going in this spot. But there's a whole other tier, clearly, which is the third round round wide receivers. You had mentioned T.Y. Hilton, but I think we have to break down Diggs versus Thielen. I think we have to break down where Larry Fitzgerald goes in this, where Tyreek Hill goes in this, and then where Doug Baldwin, who you mentioned, and Amari Cooper go to. This is a tier based on the prices that I have. Where do they go? Who do you want more? We'll talk about that when we come back. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. I'm going to join the program as always. Remember, you can get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory right now with 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It is not just a draft kit. It is a full season package that takes you from draft day to championship week. It features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite fantasy sports radio experts. Go to rotoexperts.com. Use the promo code FRANKTHETANK to get 10% off on the Exclusive Edge Package. Set aside a spot on the mantle for that 2018 championship trophy. RoadWatchers.com. The promo code is Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Use it at checkout. Also remember, DailyRoto.com is putting more than twenty-five grand on the line for its subscribers this NFL season. When you enter paid contests on FanDuel, they're bringing you along for the free roll. Have the chance to win big this year along sports, alongside Sports Grid CEO Jeremy Stein, one of the only men to have won two separate million-dollar prizes. Each week, we'll select lucky subscribers to sweat with us and split fifty percent of the profits. No profits this week. All good. Your name will be tossed back in the hat the following week. Head to dailyroto.com slash sweat and learn how to get in on the action and your share of $25,000 of action. That's dailyroto.com slash sweat. Reggie, yeah, I just did something crazy to, in my rankings. I might just be sipping the Kool-Aid too much. It might have been the stats of the day. I moved Chris Hogan up to wide receiver 17. It's a big jump. But I just told, I, I told you during the break... Chris Hogan is one of these guys that can easily move into the top 12 wide receivers. Like he could finish as a wide receiver one this year, and I'm, I'm not saying top five. He has a, this crazy upside, but is it 
crazy to imagine that he can give you 70 to 75 receptions, 1,000 yards, and 10 touchdowns? That would make him a top 12 wide receiver. Think of all the targets that are now gone with the Patriots. 114 targets gone from Brandon Cooks. He led the team in targets a year ago. 86 targets gone from Danny Amendola, who was third on the team in targets one year ago. Deion Lewis, 36 targets. I mean, I just think there's, a, there's plenty of opportunity here. I think it's really just going to be it's going to be the Chris Hogan show and and Rob Gronkowski. I think those are going to be the guys, and then James White is going to have his normal role. Uh, he still had seventy two targets last year, so seventy to eighty targets for James White certainly doable. Someone asked in the chat to rank Hogan, Landry, uh, Marvin Jones, and another player, and it's just I feel the safest at this point drafting Chris Hogan. Which maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm buying, buying too much into the preseason, but. I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver for Tom Brady. You know, it's interesting. As I look at the wide receiver death chart in New England, like you know Gronk is there, and you know Edelman's coming back after four games. But listen to the rest of the death chart. I don't know if people realize what this looks like. Behind Chris Hogan on one of the wide receiver positions, for Daryl Patterson, Kenny Britt, Eric Decker. The only other wide receivers on this team other than Edelman, Phil Dorsett, Somebody named Paul Turner. And Braxton Berrios, who people liked at one point this offseason. Kenny Britt. I mentioned him, thank you. There you go. But like, these are the names we're talking about. Now, I'm not saying we're gonna, we won't have, out of nowhere, a Brandon Lloyd-like season with Kenny Britt. Like, that would not surprise me in the least, to be perfectly honest with you. But Chris Hogan's the guy. He is the guy. And when Gronk is moving slowly, and when Gronk is getting triple-teamed, there's going to be a lot of Chris Hogan. I get it, Frank. I get it. I know Julian Edelman's going to be back in week five for this team, but he's older now, man. Like He's, he's beyond 30 years old. He's, is he going to be the same slot receiver that he was? Yes, he'll still get his targets absolutely in this offense, but I just think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of Hogan, a lot of Gronk. I think the, once, even if Edelman gets him down into the red zone, like in, in this first eight-game span, I mean... Hogan was pretty much a lock for at least 60 yards. And in a lot of those games, it was 60 yards and a touchdown. You get that every single week, that kind of consistency. It's hard to pass up on. So do you, is it fair to say that you feel very comfortable, as you must be because you're moving up to number 17, with Chris Hogan as your wide receiver too? You like it? Ideally. Well, you can't, you, you can't say ideally. No, because there, your wide receiver there, there 17, dude, that's right in the middle of, your, of the wide receiver two tier. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would take him as my wide receiver, too. But I don't think you have to draft him there. Like, just because you move him up in the rankings doesn't mean you have to draft him. Well, it depends where you draft. Like, let's me, I'm going to use me as an example. Mm-hmm. I'm, at the end of my, I'm at the end of the draft. If I want him. I have to draft him in round four. Now, I could draft, early fourth round. No, I could draft early fourth round. I could draft a wide receiver in round three and not have a second running back until round five. Fine. All good. But if I want him, I have to draft him early in the fourth round. He's going to go somewhere in that fourth round. Yeah, he's not coming back to you in late fifth. Correct. You have this, what, seventh pick in your league? Eighth pick? Eighth. You have the eighth pick. You're going to have to draft him in the fourth round. You are not getting him in the fifth round. Especially in a keeper league, too, where everyone has kept two players ready. So every, p- players get pushed up the board. Oh, it's a little bit different. It's super flex, right? Yeah, it's super flex. So, so maybe it balances out. So it's a little bit different. I, if like, I want him, I'd probably have to take him. Well, like, just talking about a normal snake. If you're in a standard snake and you're in the eighth pick, you have to take him in the fourth round. You're not getting him later. So you have to... S- so you have to say, if you're starting, I'm not saying you have to do this, if you're starting running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, in some order, two and two after your first four, you're going to get him as a wide receiver too. And you have to be comfortable with that. 
And, you, and for you, it certainly seems like that's where he's ranked. He's ranked as that wide receiver, too. Yeah, and what I've told people to this point um, on our show throughout the whiteboard series is I like that back end of the draft where you can start with a workhorse running back and an elite wide receiver. Yep. So, so if you have one of these Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, uh, Devontae Adams, one of those type, I feel even better about it because you already have that stability at the position. Right. If you, Although Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams have their own injury issues. Yeah. Just saying. But, but if you're the, listen, if you're the back yeah. end and there's a chance you have Odell or Julio, Michael Thomas, a little bit different. Yes. But if you wait until the third round to get your wide receiver, obviously you're going to feel a little bit more shaky about that. Like if you start your receiver core, Amari Cooper, Chris Hogan, like you don't feel great about that. No, of course not. But you mentioned Amari Cooper. I want to get to him in a second. Maybe number 11 and 12 are the Minnesota wide receivers. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. I have them back-to-back. In the auction, Stephon Diggs went for four more dollars than Adam Thielen did. I get it. Diggs is a sexier name. Uh, he's theoretically more exciting. Thielen's the workhorse, the guy that played mostly the slot last year and dominated in that role. I've seen nothing to think that Thielen won't, won't, won't once again be in that slot. Uh, Diggs has had some injury issues. That's why I rank Thielen over Diggs. Both these guys round out my wide receiver one tier. Um, if I'm drafting them as a wide receiver one, I'll obviously come back around later. If you're drafting them as a wide receiver one, you're probably drafting um, towards the top of the draft. And I'd say you're one through four picks. I would probably go back-to-back wide receivers here, pair up a Thielen and a Diggs uh, with a guy like Larry Fitzgerald or Tyreek Hill or I probably ideally Doug Baldwin. Um, but that's where they're going, and that's where I'm comfortable with. They're basically on the borderline of one and two, and I want two of those guys. I agree with that. Uh, if you have one of those first four picks, I'm probably going to come back around and take two of these uh, wide receivers. I have Steph, Stephon Diggs in the half PPR ranked one spot higher than Thielen. In standard, I would take Diggs as well. In a full point PPR, look, I think I think Thielen has more receptions this year. Uh, I think the yards are going to be close, but I think the touchdowns actually favor Diggs. Um, but it's close, man. It, it really is a coin flip because you don't know who Kirk Cousins is going to target more on this team like based on what we've seen in the preseason Stefan Diggs in that first game he had the catch on the sideline he caught the touchdown from Kirk Cousins but we really won't know until once the season starts so uh, I think they're both super super talented I think Stefan Diggs a little bit more talented we saw that in the first month of the season after the first four weeks he was the wide receiver one overall in fantasy football um so can you see and yeah. Can you see a guy like Adam Thielen dropping in drafts for no reason? Only because he's not, quote-unquote, exciting. Because, like I said, he has that workman-like resume. Like, a guy like Tyreek Hill, I could see people going over him because of what we saw in the preseason and his ability. I could see a guy, uh, certainly Doug Baldwin, going over him. I could see Larry Fitzgerald going over him. I've moved Baldwin ahead of both you have, receivers. Oh, you have? Okay. All of a sudden, Thielen could, could drop and, like... I believe he dropped. I think he dropped, he dropped in our flex, flex draft. draft. And I, I almost got him in the fourth round, and I was picking from the eighth spot. So think right. about that. And I thought that was in a stand. I remember I had six pick in that, and I saw Thielen coming back to me. I'm like, oh my god! Like, what is going? Like, what am I missing here? Me, Greg. Again, Dane said the same thing. He picked him <laughs> between us, and I couldn't understand why he was dropping. Now it was a non. It was a non PPR league, which is part of that, but. If Thielen's dropping, there's just no reason why for it. Yes, which, which wide receiver is Kirk Cousins going to throw to? It's fair. But from all indications, Thielen remains in the slot. Thielen has that Jamison Crowder role, if you will. You know, it's going to be a totally different offense with DiFilippo there. But Thielen's dropping. I'm grabbing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the default thing to say, which is what we have been saying, is Diggs and standard Thielen in PPR. 
but Thielen's touchdowns are undoubtedly going to come up this year. He actually led this team in red zone targets a year ago. He had 17. He only caught five of his 17 targets in the red zone. That's a 29% catch rate. So that is going to go up, no doubt about it. Um, I think the touchdowns come up a little bit. He's probably in that, you know, six, seven, eight touchdown range. The thing is, I think Stefan Diggs can be even better than that. I think maybe he flirts with double-digit touchdowns. Um, so for those reasons, I just think overall Stefan Diggs has a little bit more upside, but it is very close between those. I have Stefan Diggs ranked one spot higher, but I have, like I mentioned, moved Doug Baldwin ahead of both. You moved Baldwin ahead given that you believe we are clear of the injury? Is that why? We By all indications, everything that we've heard, everything that we've seen, he's running now. Uh, they keep saying he's going to be ready for week one, and I know Pete Carroll is the ultimate optimist. He's even talking about Rashad Penny going to be ready for week one. Uh, but by all indications, Doug Baldwin's going to be ready. Um, and because of that, I've moved him back up. Before the injury, I was super, super bullish on Doug Baldwin because, look, there's a lot of targets now gone from this team from a year ago. Uh, 80 targets from Paul Richardson. 98 targets from Jimmy Graham. Doug Baldwin is clearly in a position to have a career high in targets this year, probably a career high in receptions, receiving yards, not touchdowns because he had that monster year with like 14, 13 touchdowns, whatever it was. Uh, but I think we see over 140 targets this year from Doug Baldwin, and if that's the case, like he's consistently been a top 12 wide receiver. He could even move up this year in terms of uh, his production. 140 targets, you know, we'll get probably... 90 receptions, I could see 1,200 receiving yards and flirt with double-digit touchdowns. This Seahawks team is not good. Their defense is very bad now. And outside of Doug Baldwin, who do they have? Tyler Lockett, Brandon Marshall? He's just going to be a target beast, so I've moved him up. I think if he goes in that 2-3 turn, I have absolutely no problem with it. I, I think... T.Y. Hilton versus Doug Baldwin is actually more of a conversation that we should be having now. So let's have it. So, so let's have it. Hilton has his own injury. Uh, we'll see when he's back at practice. We talked a lot about Andrew Luck yesterday um, and, and his ability to throw the ball downfield. If Baldwin's healthy, he probably goes right back where Hilton with Hilton at that 2-3 uh, turn. That, that was where they were going. And I'm cool with that. I, I, I'm completely cool with that. Baldwin is... I mentioned Workman like with Thielen, that's what he is with Russell Wilson. Uh, you look up and all of a sudden he's got four for 100 and, and or maybe seven for 100 uh, and a little bit more. He's the unquestioned number one wide receiver in this offense. And it, it's all about health of him. If he's healthy, he's, he's a guy that like compared to Thielen and Diggs, I agree with you. I haven't moved Baldwin up, but compared to these guys, I'm much more comfortable if I'm drafting at the end of the second, early third, as Doug Baldwin being my back end wide receiver one than it would be Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs. That's the truth. And if I just put it in those layman terms, like who, do, who am I more comfortable with? It's Baldwin. Yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to move Baldwin ahead of T.Y. Hilton because while, while both, uh, I think both have injury risk now. We haven't seen T.Y. Hilton. We didn't see him in the second preseason game. Uh, and it's not just his injury risk. It's Andrew Luck's injury risk as well. Russell Wilson has been uh, an incredibly durable player in his career. We know the rapport he has with Doug Baldwin. Greg, just think about this. Baldwin has never had more than 125 targets in a season, yet he's consistently been a top 12 wide receiver. You tell me he gets 140 to 150 targets this year? Again, two years ago, he caught 94 of 125 targets. If he gets 140 to 150 targets this year, you have to imagine maybe he gets double teamed a little bit more because they don't have a ton of weapons on that team. Even if he catches 90 balls this year for, again, I think he could be... 1,200, and we know that what the touchdown upside could be. He had 14 three years ago. There's no Jimmy Graham on this team anymore. 
He could be 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. And that's going to be better than T.Y. Hilton. It's not a knock on T.Y. Hilton, but Hilton just doesn't score the touchdowns. He's never had more than seven in a season. So T.Y. Hilton, yes, receptions, yards, he can catch the deep ball, but never has caught a ton of touchdowns. Uh, by all indications, what we get heading into this weekend, as long as the news is still positive for Doug Baldwin, I have no problem taking him ahead of T.Y. Hilton now. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I get it. I, I'm cool with that, too. I, I, I think that's fine. I think it's uh, kind of a preference thing, in a way. Um, I understand that, though. I, 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 do, I do understand it. Um, consistency. And I think we saw too many games... I know Andrew Luck wasn't there last year, but we saw too many games where at home, T.Y. Hilton was amazing, and on the road, it was kind of a disaster. But Wilton doesn't have those. And if you're just... I'm, I'm nitpicking 1,000%. But if you have to nitpick... You have to nitpick when you're deciding one or the other. That could be one reason to lean toward Baldwin. Yeah, and of course, the poll that I put out, too, was regarding where should Doug Baldwin be drafted now right. that he seems like he's ready for week one. Uh, 44% still say late third, early fourth. Uh, but the second, and it's very close, 35% say late second, early third. And I think, you know, based on the drafts that we see happen this week, uh, this weekend, I'm going to be in four drafts this weekend. We have the wow. GST draft. Uh, excited for that one to get. We have Craig Carton's draft on Sunday. I feel more prepared than I was um, than I was for Flex. Where yeah, I mean, because we have we've had a few more weeks. Things yeah. have unraveled a little bit more, and then I have two home league drafts. So uh, we're gonna have a lot of information for those drafting over the Labor Day weekend next weekend. Yeah, that will be able to give you this Monday seeing just where Doug Baldwin goes, and I think he's Definitely. gonna be in that that two three range. Now, one more wide receiver that is specifically in this crew. Two more wide receivers I should say that I believe are in this crew. And that's Larry Fitzgerald and Tyreek Hill. Where do you have them comparatively to the other four guys, Hilton, Diggs, Thielen, um, and Baldwin? So they're all in the same tier. I think these are round three receivers-ish. Uh, Evans, Hilton, Baldwin, more so the 2-3 turn. Uh, but I have Tyreek Hill 15 and Larry Fitzgerald 16. Okay. And this is probably a bit of an age bias. Fitzgerald has been incredibly consistent, especially in PPR, half PPR the past couple of seasons. But... New quarterback coming in with Sam Bradford. New offense as well. New offense coming in as well. Um, you have to worry about the injury-prone nature of Sam Bradford 100%. And then if Josh Rosen gets in there, does he lean more on a Larry Fitzgerald? Does he lean more on his tight end? Does he throw the ball more check down to David Johnson? Does he have a rapport with Christian Kirk? We saw him throw a touchdown to him in the second preseason game. So I think there's a lot of question marks regarding Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, but it's him versus Tyreek Hill is just... Really, boom upside versus that boring, aging veteran consistency out of Larry Fitzgerald. And I'll take the guy who's on the upswing in his career in Tyreek Hill, but it is very close. It's funny because you were mentioning Larry Fitzgerald and the, the brand-new offense. And I was like, wow, Diggs, Thielen, Hilton, Baldwin, all new offenses. Every single one of them. And we stressed so much last year that we're going to recognize it now. We're not going to ignore the signs. Are we ignoring the signs with any of these guys, drafting them where they are? Because I know how talented they I, I get it, how talented these players are, but they're all new offenses. Something is going to, somebody is going to emerge or something's going to happen where we're like, whoa, we should have seen this coming. And I don't want that to happen. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald is that person. Maybe you're right. You know, in this brand new offense, Christian Kirk with a new quarterback, maybe he steps up. Maybe Bryce Butler steps up. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald is not the same Larry Fitzgerald. Something's going to happen with all these guys. And for that reason in particular, I have Hill one spot ahead of Larry Fitzgerald. And I'm slightly more concerned about Diggs, Thielen, Hilton, and even Baldwin. 
Fantasy Best Friends Forever roll on when we come back. Let's get more into Tyreek Hill, more into Amari Cooper, and we round out our top 24 wide receivers when we return. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Are you between the ages of 13 and 22 and love fantasy football? Then GM Genius is for you. GM Genius is the only fantasy football scholarship competition giving students a chance to play fantasy football and pay for your education. GM Genius won FSTA's Rookie of the Year Award in 2017 and has already awarded over $25,000 in scholarships. Go to GMGenius.com today and turn your fantasy football love into a scholarship. Back with you, Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Frankie Stanfield, Greg Sussman with you. We're breaking down these second tier, I don't want to say tier, but like third round wide receivers after your top 12, 12 to 24, um, essentially, well really 10 to 24 as we include Hilton and, and Thielen and Diggs, Doug Baldwin and more. We were up to Fitzgerald and Hill and we had to cut you off there, Frank. Uh, because of the break. You had chosen Hill one spot over Fitzgerald. I agreed. I look back at the offense where Tyreek Hill, he's been in it before. Nothing has changed. And I like the upside. Not, it's not an ageism thing. I think the upside is just greater. Yeah, it absolutely is. He finishes the wide receiver eight last year. Tyreek Hill, that is uh, on only 105 targets. Even We don't really know how the target distribution is going to break down. That's what worries me a little bit about the Chiefs this year. Like I, don't, I can't imagine pay, uh, paying the third-round price tag right. for Travis Kelsey this year. It's not a knock on him. It's just I don't know where the targets are going to go. It's kind of similar to the Minnesota Vikings with uh, their quarterback situation. Who is Patrick Mahomes going to favor most? What we've seen in the preseason is that he does like Tyreek Hill. We all saw that bomb touchdown over the weekend. But look, Tyreek Hill, he can honestly do it all. He was eighth in y- air yards last year, eighth in yards after the catch. Um, his Last 13 touchdowns have come from 30 yards out. That's yeah. just insane. It just reminds you he can score from anywhere on the field. He's incredibly in, uh, efficient. Uh, still does have some boom or bust. Like, I don't feel great with him as my wide receiver one, honestly. Right. Um, but, he's, but he's borderline. He's not one of these is. guys that's borderline. He's borderline. That you'll probably pair with, where depending on when you take him, with another wide receiver, most likely. Absolutely. Uh, again, it comes down to... If I can pair him with one of those guys from the second round, or if I use a first round right. pick on a wide receiver, if you end up with like Tyreek Hill, Chris Hogan as your wide receiver one and two, you I just like it. don't feel great about it. You don't that. like it. You, yeah. you need a little bit more of a safe floor there. You need that kind of elite week in and week out production. And uh, Tyreek Hill can he could win you weeks. He also was very boomer busty last year. Too. Now the way that that happens, that those two guys wind up as your wide receivers one and two, is if you start your team off running back, running back, running. Well, thank you, Frank. I'm hoping you are. If you start it out, running back, running back. Let's say you can go, and this is possible. Let's say you go Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. Possible. Cream Hunt, Christian McCaffrey. Whatever. Sure. It doesn't matter. Is that, are those running backs good enough that you would feel comfortable with Tyreek Hill as your wide receiver one? No. Any time where I'm in the middle to late first round, and if I grab a workhorse running back in round one, the only reason I'm doing that and I'm passing on DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham is because I know that I can get the elite wide receiver in round two. I, I Outside of a standard league, a non-PPR league, I cannot, I won't start my draft running back, running back, because I just don't feel, 
I guess the word is safe. I don't feel safe enough with these guys going rounds th- three, four, five at the wide receiver position for them to ultimately anchor my wide receiver core, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get it. And you talk about anchoring that wide receiver core. Amari Cooper was many people's anchors last year. I started my team out with the zero running back theory last year, going with Michael Thomas and Amari Cooper from the 11 spot, I think. And it was a disaster, right? Like it was a straight up disaster uh, as Amari Cooper was terrible. People are jumping back in. We've talked a lot about Amari Cooper over the past several weeks. Where has he settled in for you, Frank? He has settled in as my wide receiver 14. So he's right behind the Vikings guys, right ahead of Tyreek Hill, wow. Larry Fitzgerald. Wow. I think he offers I think he offers a which is crazy to say because it's Amari Cooper. I think he offers the best combination around this range of safe floor and high upside, which you just made the face, and it's, it's crazy to imagine, but he's going to be the team's wide receiver one. By all means, I'm not worried about Jordy Nelson. I'm not worried about Martavis Bryant. Everything we've heard from John Gruden is that he's going to be the focal point of this team's passing attack, and I do 100% believe it. Look, if he could just get back to the 130-plus targets he had in each one of his first two seasons— he was over 1,000 yards as a rookie. He was over 1,100 yards in his second year. He only had five and six touchdowns in those years based on getting that many targets, which I think he could be in that 130 to 140 range, maybe even more than that this year. I think he's going to be in line for 1,100 yards, and the touchdowns are going to go up if he is the focal point of this passing attack, like John Gruden says he's going to be, even if it's seven, eight touchdowns. Maybe he doesn't have immense upside, and I keep saying that about Amari Cooper, I don't know that he's going to finish as a top five wide receiver, but I think 1,100 yards and seven to eight touchdowns is certainly doable for Amari Cooper if he gets back to that 130 target range, which he was his first two seasons. Gregory Castillo inside our YouTube chat brings up a good point. Yes, sir. Are we sure that Derek Carr is good? I don't... I think he's good. Okay. I think that's, I think that's a fair word to use. I don't think he's, I don't think he's amazing. Right. Uh, is good better than average? Good feels like average to me. I, I think Derek Carr's like an average quarterback. So he's good. That's how I feel about it. So he's good. It. Yeah. yeah. Like he'll, he's never thrown for 4,000 yards, but you don't need him to do that. With, based on the weapons that we have here, like I don't think Jordy Nelson's going to demand a ton of targets. Right. Maybe inside the red zone, yeah, he'll catch a few touchdowns. Martavis Bryant, he'll get a few shots down the field per game. Um, and Jared Cook, like we know what Jared Cook is. He's Bigfoot. I just think... They don't even need to throw the ball all that much for Amari Cooper to reach that 130, 140 so it, it, target threshold. It, it's essentially the Chris Hogan theory, right? Like, not even more so than the Chris Hogan theory, more of a Doug Baldwin theory, where it's just like, who else is he going to target? Like, who else is he going to throw to? And that includes in the red zone. In the red zone, you look at Seattle, and you mentioned this with Doug Baldwin. You're not throwing a Tyler Lockett in the red zone. Oh, Brandon Marshall looking good. Exactly. Jimmy Graham is gone. Doug Baldwin's the man. You can do the same thing in Oakland where, all right, Jared Cook's there, fine. But their biggest threat in the red zone was Michael Crabtree, and he, he's no longer there. And I don't look at Martavis Bryant like that. I don't—I mean, Jordy Nelson is the answer to the question. I've said I like Jordy. And because of that, I don't—and I get it. I'm sneak-bitten with Amari Cooper, and I know that. That's exactly—I uh, I see a lot of people's responses. I, I am. I'm admitting right now, that. Like he only had one good game last year. That's absolutely true about Amari Cooper, but— when we do this for, throughout the draft process for the 2018 season, we're projecting forward. You know, I would do the whiteboard series. I would nearly draft Carryon Johnson on at least one team every single time. Sure. And people would kill me, and they'd say, have you seen the Lions running backs the past couple of years? Why are we looking 
backwards. We're supposed to be, yes, you take that into account for sure, but you use that to help project forward. And I just think based on, you know, what we, remember what Amari Cooper did his first and second year. He finished as wide receiver 13 just two years ago. Are we just throwing that out the window? And and you're getting a bit of a discount on him because last year, like you said, he was going on the one-two turn. So now we're getting him on the three-four turn. That downside that we saw from him last year is baked into his price. We're projecting forward. He's the wide receiver one on this team. John Gruden keeps talking him up. Everything Michael Florido used to tell us about Amari Cooper is that John Gruden is going to do a lot pre-snap before the play even starts to get Amari Cooper freed from that top cornerback. Whatever they do, move him into the slot, uh, move him all around the formation. They're going to try what we expect to be creative and innovative ways to get Amari Cooper open this year. And I'm going to trust that. I already have him as my wide receiver one on one of my teams. That's not an ideal situation, but that was a team where I started off with three running backs in a non-PPR league, and in the fourth round, I end up with Amari Cooper as my wide receiver one. And I, and I, I think that's a fair range. If you could get him in the middle of the fourth round, I think that's good value, actually. I have him in my rankings next to Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson, the more we've read about Trey Burton, and we read a lot about that this morning, there's a lot of reports about how good Trey Burton can be for the Bears. Allen Robinson has quietly kind of moved backwards for no fault of his own. He's only gotten healthier and looked better. Maybe there's been fatigue because we were so all in on the Bears a couple of weeks ago, and now we're not. Now, Allen Robinson has not burned me. I didn't draft him last year. I didn't draft him the year before after the breakout. Um, But now he's in Chicago. And I think Allen Robinson... Frank, I think you're going to tell me you feel more comfortable with him as a three than a two also. Is that fair? That, that would be ideal. I don't think it's going to happen based on ADP. What number is he for you? He is he's now behind Chris Hogan. Uh, I have him as wide receiver 18. He's one spot behind Chris Hogan. So as I look at my rankings, I have him as wide receiver 17. And the guys behind him are some of the names we mentioned before. Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Jarvis Landry. Josh Gordon, and Chris Hogan. And I'm considering just moving him behind all of them. Is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy. I think his ADP is actually dropping a little bit. And For no reason. It's no fault of his own. Yeah. It's the fact that everybody around him is getting hyped up. Right. That's Anthony Miller. That's Trey Burton. Um, we expect this team to be a pretty balanced offense. I think we expect yeah. that. But there's a lot of mouths to feed. Think about this Bears offense. They're going to give Jordan Howard, I'd say, at least 16 to 18 carries per game. Uh, Tariq Cohen is going to get a few targets per game, four or five, whatever it is. But then you have Trey Burton. Adam Shaheen is going to be healthy at some point, who they've talked up in this offense as well. They draft Anthony Miller, who by all process is killing preseason right now and training camp. Um, They have Taylor Gabriel, who they can take a few shots down the field with. Kevin White is even playing now in the preseason. Heard the the analyst Chris Venture talking him up once again. Um, I just think there's a lot of mouths to feed. I don't know. I think to me, Allen Robinson... When he was good with the Jaguars, he was a volume play. He needed lots of targets. That year where he had 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, he needed targets. I just don't know that the volume is necessarily there for the Bears. And not only that, I don't know that the passing efficiency is going to be there either. Everyone's talking up the Bears like they're the Rams of this season. That is very, very high praise, and it's not realistic. It just isn't. Mitchell Trubisky should undoubtedly be better this year, but is he going to take that Jared Goff step? I don't think that's going to happen, and I just think he might be an inefficient quarterback sure. in his sophomore year. I think for all those reasons, they're kind of working against Allen Robinson. I'm with you. I have him ranked as a top 24 wide receiver, but ideally, I want him as my wide receiver three. And based on ADP, he's moved down to 50 overall. You could get you him can. on that 4-5 swing. Yeah, so I think I'm going to drop Allen Robinson. I'm going to drop him right now. 
And I said, I Jonathan, after Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, but my question to you is, who would you rather have between Golden Tate and Marvin Jones? Half point. I still do have Golden Tate higher, uh, but I think there is some concern because you look at what he's done the past couple of years, a lot of these short passes that he catches close to the line of scrimmage, uh, those were extensions of the running game. Now, by all accounts, I've said, I think the running game for the Lions is going to be better this year. Uh, I, their offensive line let me down in week two of the preseason. They did not look good by any means. I need to see improvement in that third preseason game, or else maybe I start to, to drop on Johnson a little bit. But they, bring in, they draft on Johnson. They bring in LeGarrette Blunt. They still have Theo Riddick. This team wants to run the ball more. And now maybe you know running the ball more, and if they do it more efficiently, we see a few less targets this year for Golden Tate, who has been a volume play kind of similar to how Jarvis Landry was in Miami. So I think he's still a lock for like 80 to 90 receptions and, you know, 900 plus yards. He's going to be in that four or five touchdown range. He doesn't have crazy upside, but you know what you're going to get out of Golden Tate. Marvin Jones, I'm more so worried about the Kenny Galladay effect here. And I've, I've painted that picture for you before, Greg. I think there's a chance that as this offense becomes more balanced and the fact that Kenny Galladay is there is that maybe one week it's Marvin Jones, maybe one week it's Kenny Galladay. Uh, but the consistent guy week in and week out, I think will still be Golden Tate. I still have him ranked ahead of Marvin Jones. By one spot or like significantly? I have Golden, they're two spots apart. I have Golden Tate, wide receiver 23. Uh, 23. So the way that I've tiered it is I kind of tier them by round. So my tier four is Hogan, Robinson, Landry, Demarius, Josh Gordon, Juju, and Golden Tate. And then tier five, who I think is like our solid fifth round picks, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones at wide receiver 25. And then Brandon Cooks and Sammy Watkins. All right, so you, you have Marvin Jones a little bit lower than I do. I'm buying the Marvin I'm buying into Marvin Jones and, and less into Kenny Galladay uh, than you are. With that, we're going to sign off YouTube. We're, we will, of course, continue live on our podcast. Uh, so we'll go for the next five more minutes. YouTube coming up next. It's the Fantasy Football Frenzy. Corey Parson, Chris Ventura, and, of course, the Fantasy Taz. Jim Day will have you there. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, we'll see you tomorrow. Um, if you're on the radio, you get, well, you get us for another five minutes or so. I also... With that, Frank, if I can find the read in the right spot, uh, I, will, I will read. No, that's the, that's the wrong one. This is a disaster. I'm sorry. Uh, that's to me. There we go. Oh, BetDSI celebrating, Bet 20, DSI. Let's celebrating go. 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payments of winning. You can play virtually every sport at BetDSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live and game wagering on all major sporting events where you can make your play in any time during the game. Bet DSI runs sign up and deposit bonuses year round for a limited time only. You can use the promo code FNTSY and Bet DSI is offering up $2,500 on your first deposit if you are willing to adhere to rollover requirements and your state has to be in it to win it. So, you know, make sure that you can participate in this promotion. Use promo code FNTSY. Try BetDSI.com. That's BetDSI.com. Promo code is FNTSY. Head on over and start winning today. State restrictions apply. Fantasy Factor is the only exclusive single-entry DFS site. They have free rolls registering all the time and great promotions for free prizes. Keep a lookout for Fantasy Factor's free million-dollar survivor contest opening about a week before kickoff. Go to FantasyFactor.com. That's FantasyFactor.com. Four minutes to go. Frank, I I have Marvin Jones in that tier ahead of you. I am buying Marvin Jones more so than you. But there's two names you mentioned that are in that last tier, that are in that top 24-ish. And that was Juju Smith-Schuster, and that was Demarius Thomas. I agree with one of them. I have a Juju ranked as my 24th ranked wide receiver. 
I'd much rather have him as a high-volume and high-end wide receiver three than a wide receiver two. That's why he's 24. That's called borderline. Number 23, a guy that you mentioned more in your sixth round, I believe, that was Brandon Cooks. He snuck in there as my top 24. Now, I think he was the one player in our drafts people were sleeping on. For whatever reason, they just were asleep at the wheel. He went for 10 bucks in my auction. He went for nothing, despite playing this vaunted Rams offense. But I think people have this image of what Sammy Watkins did last year, and I actually have Sammy Watkins in front of Demarius Thomas, but in the same tier. For me, the tier ends with Juju Smith-Schuster. Cooks and Schuster are 23 and 24. So I have Brandon Cooks ranked as my wide receiver 26, just based on what he's done in the past. But to be honest, he's another one of these guys on my do-not-draft list. He's very similar to Jay Ajayi, in my opinion. You look at the, the schedule for Brandon Cooks, it's terrible. Like he is going to face a lot of tough corners this year. Uh, the targets, I don't, I don't really know what the target volume is going to be. Like I think he's going to get more than Sammy Watkins last year, who I think was in the eighty range with the Rams. He'll probably get up to a hundred ish, maybe a hundred and ten. But he's consistently been over a hundred and ten in his career. And reminder, he's played with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, uh, two of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen play. So he's moving over to an offense with Jared Goff, where he's not going to have the same volume, where he's going to see. Likely the team's number one cornerback. I just don't want anything to do with Brandon Cooks, where he's going right now. Uh, Marvin Jones, I painted the picture for you a while ago when uh, him with in the lineup with Kenny Galladay versus without. Uh, per game, with Galladay, 11 games. 5.3 targets, 3.1 receptions, 57 yards per game, uh, and about half a touchdown. Without Galladay, five games. Goes up to 10 targets. receptions, 85 yards per game, uh, and the touchdown rate was pretty much the same during that span. But it's there's no doubt that when Galladay was gone, that's when Marvin Jones did a lot of his damage. So I'm factoring that in, and the fact that I think that the Lions' offense is going to be more well-balanced, I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more. So that's why I dropped Marvin Jones. I think it'll be all right, but I want him as my wide receiver three. I can't have him as my wide receiver two. Should you fear Cortland Sutton taking away anything from Demarius Thomas, much like Galladay and Marvin Jones? They're actually talking more about moving uh, Demarius Thomas to the slot. Really? To get Cortland Sutton more work on the outside alongside Emmanuel Sanders. And I think that's a good spot for Demarius. I think we could see maybe a Larry Fitzgerald kind of renaissance out of him. We are done. Coming up next, it's the Fantasy Football Frenzy. Stay tuned for that. For Frank Stample, I'm Greg Sussman. We'll do the next round of wide receivers tomorrow. We We hope. hope.